Chapter One of the Lost Stradivarius. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Karen Savage. The Lost Stradivarius by John Mead Faulkner. Chapter One. Your father, John Maltravers, was born in eighteen twenty at Worth, and succeeded his father and mine, who died when we were still young children. John was sent to Eton in due course, and in 1839, when he was nineteen years of age, it was determined that he should go to Oxford. It was intended at first to enter him at Christchurch, but Dr. Sarsdell, who visited us at Worth in the summer of 1839, persuaded Mr. Thorsby, our guardian, to send him instead to Magdalen Hall. Dr. Sarsdell was himself principal at that institution, and represented that John, who then exhibited some symptoms of delicacy, would meet with more personal attention under his care than he could hope to do in so large a college as Christchurch. Mr. Thorsby, ever solicitous for his ward's welfare, readily waived other considerations in favour of an arrangement which he considered conducive to John's health, and he was accordingly matriculated at Magdalen Hall in the autumn of 1839. Dr. Sarsdell had not been unmindful of his promise to look after my brother, and had secured him an excellent first-floor sitting-room, with a bedroom adjoining, having an aspect towards New College Lane. I shall pass over the first two years of my brother's residence at Oxford, because they have nothing to do with the present story. They were spent, no doubt, in the ordinary routine of work and recreation common in Oxford at that period. From his earliest boyhood he had been passionately devoted to music, and had attained a considerable proficiency on the violin. In the autumn term of 1841 he made the acquaintance of Mr. William Gaskell, a very talented student at New College, and also a more than tolerable musician. The practice of music was then very much less common at Oxford than it has since become, and there were none of those societies existing which now do so much to promote its study among undergraduates. It was therefore a cause of much gratification to the two young men, and it afterwards became a strong bond of friendship, to discover that one was as devoted to the pianoforte as was the other to the violin. Mr. Gaskell, though in easy circumstances, had not a pianoforte in his rooms, and was pleased to use a fine instrument by Dalmain, that John had that term received as a birthday present from his guardian. From that time the two students were thrown much together, and in the autumn term of 1841, and Easter term of 1842, practised a variety of music in John's rooms, he taking the violin part, and Mr. Gaskell that for the pianoforte. It was, I think, in March 1842, that John purchased for his rooms a piece of furniture which was destined afterwards to play no unimportant part in the story I am narrating. This was a very large and low wicker chair of a form then coming into fashion in Oxford, and since, I am told, become a familiar object of most college rooms. It was cushioned with a gaudy pattern of chintz, and bought for new of an upholsterer at the bottom of the high street. Mr. Gaskell was taken by his uncle to spend Easter in Rome, and obtaining special leave from his college to prolong his travels, did not return to Oxford till three weeks of the summer term were passed, and May was well advanced. So impatient was he to see his friend, that he would not let even the first evening of his return pass without coming round to John's rooms. The two young men sat without lights until the night was late, and Mr. Gaskell had much to narrate of his travels, and spoke specially of the beautiful music which he had heard at Easter in the Roman churches. He had also had lessons on the piano from a celebrated professor of the Italian style, but seemed to have been particularly delighted with the music of the seventeenth-century composers, of whose works he had brought back some specimens set for piano and violin. It was past eleven o'clock when Mr. Gaskell left to return to New College, but the night was unusually warm, with a moon near the full, 
and John sat for some time in a cushioned window-seat before the open sash, thinking over what he had heard about the music of Italy. Feeling still disinclined for sleep, he lit a single candle and began to turn over some of the musical works which Mr. Gaskell had left on the table. His attention was especially attracted to an oblong book, bound in soiled vellum, with a coat of arms stamped in gilt upon the side. It was a manuscript copy of some early suites by Graziani for violin and harpsichord, and was apparently written at Naples in the year 1744, many years after the death of that composer. Though the ink was yellow and faded, the transcript had been accurately made, and could be read with tolerable comfort by an advanced musician in spite of the antiquated notation. Perhaps by accident, or perhaps by some mysterious direction which our minds are incapable of appreciating, his eye was arrested by a suite of four movements with a basso continuo, or figured bass, for the harpsichord. The other suites in the book were only distinguished by numbers but this one the composer had dignified with the name of Ladio Pagita. Almost mechanically John put the book on his music-stand, took his violin from its case, and after a moment's tuning, stood up and played the first movement—a lively coranto. The light of the single candle burning on the table was scarcely sufficient to illumine the page. The shadows hung in the creases of the leaves, which had grown into those wavy folds sometimes observable in books made of thick paper and remaining long shut and it was with difficulty that he could read what he was playing. But he felt the strange impulse of the old-world music urging him forward, and did not even pause to light the candles which stood ready in their sconces on either side of the desk. The coranto was followed by a sarabanda, and the sarabanda by a galliarda. My brother stood playing, with his face turned to the window, with the room and the large wicker chair of which I have spoken behind him. The Galliarda began with a bold and lively air, and as he played the opening bars, he heard behind him a creaking of the wicker chair. The sound was a perfectly familiar one, as of some person placing a hand on either arm of the chair, preparatory to lowering himself into it, followed by another, as of the same person being leisurely seated. But for the notes of the violin, all was silent, and the creaking of the chair was strangely distinct. The illusion was so complete, that my brother stopped playing suddenly and turned round, expecting that some late friend of his had slipped in unawares, being attracted by the sound of the violin, or that Mr. Gaskell himself had returned. With the cessation of the music, an absolute stillness fell upon all. The light of the single candle scarcely reached the darker corners of the room, but fell directly on the wicker chair, and showed it to be perfectly empty. Half amused, half vexed with himself at having without reason interrupted his music, my brother returned to the Galliarda but some impulse induced him to light the candles in the sconces, which gave an illumination more adequate to the occasion. The Galliarda and the last movement, a minuetto, were finished, and John closed the book, intending, as it was now late, to seek his bed. As he shut the pages, a creaking of the wicker chair again attracted his attention, and he heard distinctly sounds such as would be made by a person raising himself from a sitting-posture. This time, being less surprised, he could more aptly consider the probable causes of such a circumstance, and easily arrived at the conclusion that there must be in the wicker chair osiers responsive to certain notes of the violin, as panes of glass in church windows are observed to vibrate in sympathy with certain notes of the organ. But while this argument approved itself to his reason, his imagination was but half convinced, and he could not but be impressed with the fact that the second creaking of the chair had been coincident with his shutting the music-book, and unconsciously, pictured to himself some strange visitor, waiting until the termination of the music, and then taking his departure. 
His conjectures did not, however, either rob him of sleep, or even disturb it with dreams, and he woke the next morning with a cooler mind, and one less inclined to fantastic imagination. If the strange episode of the previous evening had not entirely vanished from his mind, it seemed at least fully accounted for by the acoustic explanation to which I have alluded above. Although he saw Mr. Gaskell in the course of the morning, he did not think it necessary to mention to him so trivial a circumstance, but made with him an appointment to sup together in his own rooms that evening, and to amuse themselves afterwards by essaying some of the Italian music. It was shortly after nine that night, when, supper being finished, Mr. Gaskell seated himself at the piano, and John tuned his violin. The evening was closing in. There had been heavy thunder-rain in the afternoon, and the moist air hung now heavy and steaming, while across it there throbbed the distant vibrations of the tenor-bell at Christchurch. It was tolling the customary one hundred and one strokes, which are rung every night in term-time as a signal for closing the college gates. The two young men enjoyed themselves for some while, playing first a suite by Cesti, and then two early sonatas by Bononcini. Both of them were sufficiently expert musicians to make reading at sight a pleasure rather than an effort and Mr. Gaskell especially was well versed in the theory of music, and in the correct rendering of the basso continuo. After the Buononcini, Mr. Gaskell took up the oblong copy of the Graziani, and turning over its leaves, proposed that they should play the same suite which John had performed by himself the previous evening. His selection was apparently perfectly fortuitous, as my brother had purposely refrained from directing his attention in any way to that piece of music. They played the Coranto and the Sarabanda, and in the singular fascination of the music, John had entirely forgotten the episode of the previous evening, when, as the bold air of the Gagliarda commenced, he suddenly became aware of the same strange creaking of the wicker chair that he had noticed on the first occasion. The sound was identical, and so exact was its resemblance to that of a person sitting down, that he stared at the chair, almost wondering that it still appeared empty. Beyond turning his head sharply for a moment to look round, Mr. Gaskell took no notice of the sound, and my brother, ashamed to betray any foolish interest or excitement, continued the Gagliarda with its repeat. At its conclusion Mr. Gaskell stopped before proceeding to the minuet, and turning the stool on which he was sitting round towards the room, observed, "'How very strange, Johnny!' for these young men were on terms of sufficient intimacy to address each other in a familiar style. "'How very strange! I thought I heard someone sit down in that chair when we began the Gagliarda.' I looked round, quite expecting to see someone had come in. Did you hear nothing?" It was only the chair creaking, my brother answered, feigning an indifference which he scarcely felt. Certain parts of the wicker-work seemed to be in accord with musical notes and respond to them. Let us continue with the minuetto. Thus they finished the suite, Mr. Gaskell demanding a repetition of the Gagliarda, with the air of which he was much pleased. As the clocks had already struck eleven, they determined not to play more that night and Mr. Gaskell rose, blew out the sconces, shut the piano, and put the music aside. My brother has often assured me that he was quite prepared for what followed, and had been almost expecting it, for as the books were put away, a creaking of the wicker chair was audible, exactly similar to that which he had heard when he stopped playing on the previous night. There was a moment's silence. The young men looked involuntarily at one another, and then Mr. Gaskell said, "'I cannot understand the creaking of that chair. It has never done so before, with all the music we have played. I am perhaps imaginative and excited with the fine airs we have heard to-night, but I have an impression that I cannot dispel, that something has been sitting listening to us all this time, and that now when the concert is ended, it has got up and gone." There was a spirit of raillery in his words, but his tone was not so light as it would ordinarily have been, and he was evidently ill at ease. "'Let us try the Gagliarda again,' said my brother. 
It is the vibration of the opening notes which affects the wicker work, and we shall see if the noise is repeated. But Mr. Gaskell excused himself from trying the experiment, and after some desultory conversation, to which it was evident that neither was giving any serious attention, he took his leave and returned to New College. End of chapter 1